a new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. My name is Christine, and I live in Minnesota. I am the founder of a nonprofit here in Minnesota called She Climbs Mountains. We serve women and girls who have experienced the loss of their moms through death. I live here on a small little lake. It's been super fun to be on this winter since we can't go anywhere. I have four kids and I am married. My kids are Autumn. She's 15. Eden, she's 12. I have a son, Zion, who's 10. And another son, Holden, who is six. I do some real estate as a source of income and also um, property management. Um, We have some rental properties, so I do that for some income. And I think that's it. That's all I want to share. This is a fact in the Ducks of New City. Thank you so much. Yes, it's exciting to have you here. And I want to say I dove into the world of Instagram a while back and I found you because I was referred to you, not to you, but to your site because you have an event coming up in 2021. I want to do more things dealing with grief and everything. So I am interested in your event. I will be attending. And before I guess we get into your story, let's just kind of talk about that just a little bit. Yes, I I want to share about that with you. So she climbs mountains. Typically, before COVID nineteen, we were we were meeting pretty much exclusively in person and doing workshops um, and some social events and some volunteering. Um, and then once COVID hit, we we turned entirely online and we offer monthly gatherings called coffee and conversation. These are for adult women, 19 and older. And then we do uh, a young adult meetup and then some various other workshops. But over the course of the last year or so, we have a private Facebook group for our community here. It has almost 800 women in it. And, you know, the pandemic has brought, has triggered a lot of feelings of grief for people. And so there's been a lot of conversation in that private group. And one of the things that came up 
multiple times was the loss of both parents, women that have experienced the loss of both parents. And while the nonprofit, you know, we do, we are geared towards serving women who have lost their moms. It became apparent to me that maybe we should do something for women that have lost both parents. I myself have lost both my parents. So that felt natural for me to, to talk about that. And so we are going to be offering a workshop specifically for women who have lost both parents. It's called a dual parent loss workshop, and it is taking place on Thursday, January 14th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Central. I will be co-facilitating with my friend and colleague, Kelly Grossklags. She is the founder of Conversations with Kelly, and she is also a licensed clinical social worker, um, has been working in the area of grief and bereavement for over 20 years. So I'm really excited about the opportunity to gather with women who have experienced the loss of both parents. And it's going to be virtual, so you can join from wherever you are. And it is free um, with a suggested donation of $10, but that's not required for registration. You can go online to sheclimbsmountains.org. There's a drop down for workshops and it is right there. It's dual parent loss workshop and it's just a Zoom registration actually. So you'll there's a link there that will take you to the Zoom registration page and it's pretty simple. You know, I, I have to say, I like really love meeting in person. I think there's something really powerful about being together physically. And so the transition to online is, has been a little tricky for me personally, just to, to feel connected in the same way. Though, as we've done it, I've really found that it's been super powerful. And But one of the awesome things about doing it online is that anyone can join us from anywhere, Right. So I, I love that. We've we've had events where women have joined us from Australia and um, in South Africa. Like, it's, it's so cool. So, so cool. So I'm really excited about that, too. Yes, that's what I like, too, about this virtual stuff. I can just kind of crash any state's motherless daughter group that I would like to. Apparently, that's what it seems yeah. to be. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the other part of the connection to you, the person who shared shared your event with me was the uh, one of the leaders of the New York City motherless daughters groups, right. uh, Norma. So, Norma, yeah, yeah. And I've so had the guys- opportunity to meet her. I think I told you that when we spoke on the phone. So, yeah, I love that we have that connection. Yeah, that it's so cool. It's a it's a small world when it's when it's virtual. I guess that's true. That's true. <laughs> so very good. Well, I am looking forward to to your event. That will be definitely a great opportunity for many many ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being out there and putting that together. I I do want to share, I'll be co-facilitating with a a friend of mine and also colleague. Her name is Kelly Grosks-Lags. She's a social worker. She's been working in bereavement for over 20 years. And so I'm really excited to be working with her and facilitating. As I mentioned just a little bit, earlier, I, both of my parents have died. Wow. I feel the emotion just come up right away all these years, you know? So my mom died, um, 30, almost 31 years ago, 30 years ago, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, stage four ovarian cancer. I was 11 years old. 
when she was diagnosed um, and she was 40. She was at the time given just three months to live and she decided to go ahead and get a full hysterectomy and um, proceed with chemotherapy. Um, Just, you know, she wanted to try to see if she could live a little longer than that. And so that was the, that was the option. So um, she did, she did that. And thankfully she lived three and a half years. So she actually was in remission at the time. They, they didn't say cancer free, like they do now two years from date of her surgery, they found no cancer. And so she was in remission. I remember we had a party, little party for with our family in our family room. Um, I made a banner. Do you remember those printers with the whole, like the perforated, perforated like things on the side? And I like printed out this long banner and posted it over the fireplace and we celebrated. But unfortunately, shortly after that, that was in January. So just a few months after that, they found um, that the cancer had metastasized to her brain. So she had three brain tumors, um, two towards the front of her head, and then one at the back of her head. They did surgery on the one in back and radiation on the two in front. And um, a few months after that, they, they felt like the cancer had stopped growing, that it was thwarted. So that was like in the summer of 1989. And then in the fall of 1989, she went in for a routine checkup. She wasn't feeling quite right. And they did some more tests and they found that it was everywhere. It was just all over. And so she had to make the decision, would she continue treatment, which would basically would have been maintenance treatment. Um, And they told her she likely would die from treatment or stop the treatment and, and die naturally. From the cancer. So she decided to stop the treatment and then um, she ended up living until April 14th in 1990. So she passed away when you were 15. My dad passed away when I was 13. And some parts of me feel like I'm kind of stuck as a oh, yeah. that age. Do you feel that? Oh, 100%. Okay. A hundred percent. And it, it hasn't been so apparent to me, except as I get older and I have my kids and, and I, it just becomes more apparent to me that that's how, that's how I feel is kind of stuck back then. So, yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. And I, I'm trying, I want to think of some examples, but I, I think often it's something I feel inside, like an emotional immaturity, though outwardly I am. I don't think I I behave that way with my people, but inside there's this like immaturity, insecurity, something that I I often am like, okay, that is your your little girl. Your I don't want to say specifically 15 because I think it's a range. It's like the 12 to 15 year old that I was while she was sick, and then when she died, you know. And and now you mentioned that your daughter's 15, right? Yeah. yeah. How about like with your daughter and her her being that age? How's that for you? Yeah, it's a good question. I I think the anticipation of it was much harder than what it ac- actually is now that she's the same age. That being said, Steph, I her best friend just lost her mom to lung cancer a few months ago. So I will tell you that has been extremely triggering for me to witness this, you know, 
yeah, I mean, she where she's here all the time. Like, she's like one of the only people that we've allowed even into our home in the last how many months, right? She quarantined with us for a while when her mom was really sick. And I mean, I look at her and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that's how young I was, you know? And then also imagining her life. I've done this in my head, like imagining her life as she moves through these the, the milestones. Um, she just had a birthday. I mean, obviously holidays. And then she just turned 15. You know, I, we, I was with her that day and I, I had the opportunity to ask her just, you know, how are you feeling? It's, it's your birthday, your first birthday without your mom. And she's like, I don't really know. And I said, I know you don't have to know, but just know, I told her, just know if you feel okay, that's okay. And if you don't feel okay, like I'm here, like that's okay too, that if you don't feel okay and I'm here for you, you know, I get it. So I think that situation has really, I don't know, it's kind of overtaken what I felt about my own daughter because, you know, just witnessing someone so close to us um, going through the same thing is, is, it's just heart-wrenching for her and then for me, for as, for that little girl that I was, you know. All right. So what was your mom's name? Oh, yeah. I didn't share that. Her name was Laura Lee. Laura Lee Ann. Her maiden name was Klotz. And then my last name was Meyer, my maiden name. Yeah. And we used to laugh about it because Laura Lee actually, I just think it's such a pretty name, but it's actually one of the names of the siren, sirens that would lure in mythology that would lure sailors to their deaths. <laughs> so I thought that was, I think it's so funny. <laughs> Uh, she wasn't like that in real life. (laughs) She passed away in April, April 14th. Do you do anything to remember her? Yeah. Okay. So it depends. I used to be really serious about the ritual. I mean, right. It's been a lot of years. It's been a lot of years. It's been, like I said, 30, almost 31 years. So in the beginning, um, I would always write her a card. And I have those cards. They're not, they, I sealed them. So <laughs> I, I'm curious what they say. Someday I'll take a look. And then when I had kids, I wanted them to be, I wanted them to know her and I wanted them to honor her with me. Um, so we, she was, uh, she grew up in Chicago and she was very much a city girl, but she was in love with the outdoors too. So and so if you if you want to know more about where the name She Climbs Mountains comes from, that it has to do with her love of the outdoors and wanting to climb a mountain, um, specifically Mount Rainier, which she never got to do. But in the city of Chicago, hopefully everyone knows it's along Lake Michigan. And so that was a space for her that was easily accessible, right? It's it's a beautiful lake place outdoors that she could be. And so water has been something that, you know, I've been drawn to over the years. I also want to say she was cremated, but our family never did anything with the ashes until quite a, quite a few years after she died. And we actually ended up sprinkling them in parentheses illegally in Lake Michigan. (laughs) But because I live in Minnesota, it's not easy for me to go there and go to the place where we did that. Okay. So long story short, we live on a small lake. And so often um, in the early days with my kids, we would bring flowers um, 
down to the lake and put them in the water. Um, my kids have written letters to her, cards to her. I have not in many years now written a card to her. Um, and then I, in the last five or so years, we've started going out to dinner on that day. And she wasn't a big drinker that I know of, but I do know of one cocktail that she really liked called a, a gin sidecar. And so I, I'll, I'll have a sidecar when I go out, when we go out for dinner. So that's, that's what, it, but I'm, I also will tell you, I'm really open. Like, however, whatever feels right to me on that day, that's what I'm going to do or move towards. I, I'm not, I've learned that, um, it doesn't have to be the same thing for me every year. It just, it doesn't. And, and I want, I just try to honor what I'm feeling on that day. That was really long. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, you're okay. When, when was her birthday? Yeah. July 24th, 1945. So then you were there with your mom. You were there. You saw her during her treatment, her sickness. You saw her in all of those times. Would you care to tell me about maybe the last time that you were with her or how you found out about her death? Sure. Yeah. Um, So, you know, I don't remember dates exactly. um, And unfortunately, everyone that would have that information now is gone. My grandparents and and my dad. Um, But I do know about six weeks Prior to her going to the hospital, we had hospice set up in our house. And that was, I I get it, you know, I get it. I, I get why they that my family did that. And those are some of the most sad memories, you know, because, um, you know, she was, she had, she, the cancer was in her brain. So, and I know that it can impact anyone, regardless of whether it's in their brain or not. But I mean, she said things that were, you know, like at the time, just scary. They, you know, they weren't things she would normally say. And then she was on pretty heavy medication. So the combination of the two was, it it could be really upsetting. I I will tell you my grandparents, her parents. So we were from Chicago. We had moved to Wisconsin because my dad was a college professor and he had gotten a job at a university in a suburb of Milwaukee. And so that was during my mom's illness. So that was eighth grade. And then my freshman year of high school, which was when she died. So my grandparents still lived in Chicago, but they came up and they lived with us to help take care of her while she was in hospice care in our home. So my grandparents being around, I mean, My grandma was a little crazy for sure, but she was so amazing in that time. I mean, just so amazing. And my grandfather was like the best human in the world. So they were solid, solid people to have there at that time. Um, And so I think it helped a little bit that they could lighten when she would say things that were really upsetting, they would kind of lighten that, you know, and sometimes we'd even laugh about it. Like my grandma would be like, wow, Laura Lee, you just said this, you know? And so she, somehow my grandma was able to bring that. And if you knew her, <laughs> that wasn't maybe normal for her, but in those moments, she really was amazing. And then um, about two weeks before she died, she ended up being transferred to the hospital because 
she was refusing food and water. So that was very traumatic too, to have the ambulance come. And I was there, I witnessed that they, that she was like screaming and fighting. She, they had to like kind of cocoon her in this like sleeping bag type thing. And I mean, just, it was terrible. And then this is, I don't, I, I don't know how I feel about this still, but I, I played in band. I was a music nerd. I played in band my uh, freshman year of high school and we were going on a trip to, to Orlando to play in a competition at Disney. And that was the week before she died. And my family, I don't really know who made the decision, but I went and I did not want to go. I mean, I remember I did not want to go. And I, I feel like I don't, I mean, I think it must've been my dad, but I, I remember a message of like, there's no point in you being here really, you know, like she's just sleeping all the time. And she's just, and I, I mean, my greatest fear was like, she will die while I am there. And then what I have to fly home by myself. Like, you know, it was just terrible. The, the anticipation of that. I remember every day going back to the hotel room and calling and being like, is she, how is she, is she okay? You know, just, so I, I'm curious about that now. Like if my child was in that situation, I don't know. I don't think that was the right decision, but anyway, um, I came back on a Thursday and the band came back on a Thursday and on Friday I got to go to the hospital and I, I, I had purchased this big conch shell, um, while I was there and I brought, that was for her and I brought that for her and, I sang to, I, I, I was a singer. And so I sang um, some songs to her. I just remember being with in the room for most of the day. She was not conscious. And then, yeah, I went home that like kind of mid afternoon, early evening. And then Saturday, I honestly don't remember if I was there on Saturday. If I was, it was brief. And, and then that night that I was watching a movie Turner and Hooch with with my brother Craig and his then girlfriend and my dad was there and I have an older brother too who I think was working I'm pretty sure he wasn't he wasn't there so my grandpa called like 11:30ish and asked I answered the phone I'm really thankful he didn't tell me um he asked for my dad and and then he told my dad and then and then I don't really remember my dad telling me but I do remember going, we drove to the hospital right away. So my brother went with his girlfriend in a separate car. And then my, I went with my dad. And even if they didn't handle everything up until that, you know, perfectly, again, with going, making me go on that trip, I am really grateful because they, they let me go into the room with her by myself. And they had pulled all of the, you know, she was on, she had so many tubes in her arm and arms and, you know, the oxygen mask, and they had pulled all of that away. So it was just her in her bed and the, the lights were dim. Um, but I got to go in by myself and I don't know, I wasn't in there very long. I mean, maybe 10 minutes, you know, which actually is kind of (laughs) long, but I just held her hand and yeah, I told her I loved her and I felt peace. That was a weird, yeah, it was kind of profound, actually. A weird feeling at that age to feel that because I had never felt anything like that before. So I 
I, uh, yeah, just really grateful for that opportunity to spend those, that, the, that, those moments with just me and her. Yeah. And you felt a, felt a peace. I don't know if can you explain that? Is it, you know, was she not hurting anymore or just that you were there with her or? I have not thought about it like that before. I don't know. I, I think I felt, I, I want to say like a release, a piece that was a release, like a letting go of, yeah, for her and me, maybe. Yeah. She was, you know, I, she was in a lot, a lot of pain, you know, and I, I mean, maybe that's why I, I don't know. I haven't thought about it that way before. So I don't know. A re- I, I just want to use the word release. That's what's coming to me. So that's how I'll describe it. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> if you have a story you'd like to share, please give me a call at 623-396-6069. You don't even have to talk to me if you don't want to. You can leave a voicemail. You can send me a letter at parentlesspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for taking the time to stop in. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you'd like to support the show and have access to exclusive content, please visit www.patreon.com slash parentlesspodcast. Do you have any words of wisdom for you know these young girls that you you talk to that have lost their moms when they're on a young age, what's the number one thing that you would tell them? Mm, talk about her. Talk about her. I think that for me, I know in some homes it can be thwarted. You know, you're not allowed to talk about it. I don't know if that's how it was for you with your dad. It wasn't ever blatant, like you can't, but it was kind of you didn't there was an intentional conversation and that was really to the detriment to all of us, you know, in our grief process. It just, it just, uh, it was, it hurt us to not talk about her. So I, you know, Steph, I don't think I mentioned that. I think I mentioned that we, we serve girls, but we do have a program that specifically serves girls ages eight to 18. It's called girls rise up. We just launched it last November. Um, so a little over a year ago, and we we've served approximately 17 girls, and we we have a partnership with Big Brothers Big Sisters where we match girls with adult women who have experienced the loss of their moms. Um, they they mentor the girls, and I I will say I've really learned that I think our culture is shifting with how we talk about and deal with grief. And obviously you probably see that too, that you're doing a podcast about the loss of parents and and bereavement and grief and death. And I mean, you, if you just look at everything on social media, that alone is, is, it makes it so obvious that we're making steps towards doing better for our grieving world and specifically our youth. And I, I do think what I've seen in these girls that we're working with now is that there is an openness that I 
that I certainly didn't experience 30 years ago. And there's still an isolation and loneliness because they're largely the only one they know that has experienced that loss, except for in this group. Also, the ability to talk about it with someone who gets it is so validating, right? It just, it, it, it just chips away a little bit at that loneliness and isolation that you feel. And you're like, oh my goodness, but look at, there's this other person that they're not just saying, I understand. They actually really do. And that's amazing. That is such an amazing gift. (laughs) I do like that now we have these resources and I love that you are out there working with young girls just like you were to, to help them. That has to have a special place for you, I would imagine. It's, uh, sometimes I can't even believe it's real. You know, I'm like, oh, I just feel so grateful and honored, you know, to, and, and also there are some amazing women involved like Shadia um, Topkin. She's on our board and she's the director of programming for Girls Rise Up. And she is just astounding and amazing to work with and also to see her with the girls. And it's just, I just feel so honored. I really do. For your mom, and I'm getting the impression that you want to focus more on your mom here. Is that? Yeah, I'm fine with whatever. Did your mom have like a favorite saying or a phrase or just anything that you think of? Yeah. Okay. The first thing that pops to mind, I mean, kind of the typical stuff of the, at the time was like, you know, you treat people how you want to be treated, but this one killed me and I still don't understand it and I hate it, but it's like so stuck in my head. She would say, life is not fair, but it's always equal. And I'm like, what does that even mean? And so I don't even have a good one for you, Steph. It's like, it makes me so mad because she would say it. And I was like that. I still, I mean, I'm old, like I'm 45. It does not make any sense, you know? And that's the first one that comes to mind. Makes me so mad. I can't even, did you want something more inspiring? I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. So that was one that she would say to us. It doesn't make any sense. Does it make sense to you? It doesn't. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. But maybe not a phrase, but I, I do want to share one thing that I feel like I've really carried with me is that she was a very, um, she was very strong in her beliefs. Okay. She was very, you know, opinionated, but also like maybe she thought her opinions were facts. <laughs> you know, she was just very strong woman and, and just, yeah, so awesome to have as a mom. Like, I loved that she was so, like, she just knew herself and knew what she believed. And in raising me and my brothers, I feel like she always encouraged us to question everything. So there was like, yes, I believe this is true, but what do you believe? You know, and how, like, there was, she just really pushed us coming to a conclusion about something by asking our own questions and not just believing something because she did or my dad did or and I feel like I've really carried that with me and that's something that's really important as I parent my own kids that I want them to explore their beliefs with their own questions not just because I said it's it is so you know so that is so important I was not taught to question authority. 
even to this day, I find myself, okay, well, they said this, so, or I read it. <laughs> That's on yeah. the internet. It must be true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can unlearn that though, too, if you're, especially if you're aware of it. How do you feel like your life has been changed by the death of your parents? You can talk about both of them here if you want to. You know, it, it changed, it changed everything. Um, yeah, I feel emotional. You know, it, it just, my, my lens, everything that I viewed was with the lens of a girl that lost her mom. And, um, you know, she was my role model. She was my most essential caregiver. Um, we were, we didn't have a friendship, you know, we weren't, I was only 15. So we weren't at that point in our relationship, but we were very close, you know, we, we were very close. And I think because of her, the timing of her illness, you know, we certainly had some moments where I was super rude to her, you know, the, the typical teenage stuff, but maybe not as intense because there just wasn't space for that with her being sick during those years from, you know, I was, I was 11 end of my 11 year, my 11th year. And then through 15, you know, I just, I I don't know. I, I also, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of layers here. You know, I, I think part of how I grieved had to do with me being the youngest, me being the only girl, me, just my personality. I was always really an introvert. I always really wanted to be home. You know, I, the, even way before she got sick, just as a young girl, I would be invited to sleepovers and I would, I just would beg not to go because I wanted to be home with my mom. Like, and this, it, again, it had nothing to do with her being sick because it was long before that. So part of it was just my personality. Um, I'm also extremely emotional. I've always been extremely emotional. So I think all of those factors, you know, lent itself to me being really, <laughs> I mean, just so focused on the loss and how it was influence, influencing my life. And, you know, after she died, I I had some secondary losses with my grandparents. They were living with, with us, then they moved back to Chicago. So I was no longer, I no, no longer was seeing them on a regular basis. And then my dad had some pretty major personal issues and really just checked out. He checked out. And so, you know, at the time I, I, I wasn't aware of my grandparents being a secondary loss or my dad checking out being a secondary loss. You know, I wasn't conscious of those things. So, I mean, it was just, it was just like a waterfall of losses and, and, yeah, again, my lens just became, I am this girl. And so that has lost her mom and I'm so lonely and no one gets me, you know, but I also had a facade. So I did not want anyone ever to pity me. So it wasn't like I was talking about this with my peers or anyone, you know, anyone, but it was internal and it was just, yeah, it just shifted everything for me. One thing you also said, you said, I like to believe my mom is a gentle guide within my intuition, which I like that. Yeah. I, so after I became a mom, I really thought, I truly thought like, I'm going to have this magical feeling of connection with her now. 
because now I'm a mom. And that did not happen, you know, and that was really hard for me because I, I had been waiting for that for, for a long time to feel that feeling. And then mothering without her, I was like, I am so lost. I, but thankfully I had one, well, I have, a, I have some amazing girlfriends from college, but one in particular that kind of encouraged me just to listen to like, what, what is your gut telling you? Listen to that. Like, don't, because there's a lot of noise about mothering, right? In our culture, there's a lot of noise and you can feel a lot of shame and guilt and all the things that are bad about being a mother. And I felt just so inept not having my mom, but she really, this friend of mine, Autumn, she really encouraged me to just listen. And, and she introduced me to some parenting guys that kind of fell in line with who I am. And, and that's where I really started to listen to my gut and to my intuition. And then I started thinking about the generations of mothering that had happened before me. And really a lot of the things I was doing, it just felt like I knew what to do, you know? And I really felt like, well, that's because I was mothered. And because my mother mother mothered me in this way, I remember that there's a knowing, you know, that I'm passing on to my children. And then I think about like, well, she got that from her mom, right? And then and then the generations. And I, I just I feel like she is just so a part of who I am because she mothered me, right? In this and especially in those early years, she was super present. She didn't start working until I was four. And so I know she was pouring into me in this amazing way in those, you know, foundational years. So yeah, I like to, that's what I I like to say that she is uh, a gentle guide in my intuition. Tell me about your children. Your children have a connection with her? Yeah, I, well, I mean, I told you, we, we talk about her quite a bit. And, you know, we remember her on like anniversaries and her birthday and also during holidays, especially Christmas. There's a lot of traditions that I did with her growing up, my family growing up. And so I've continued those with my family. But yeah, I so my mom loved monarch butterflies. And so when we see them now, my all of my kids will be like, Mom, look, there's Grandma Laura Lee. Um, but I also think I don't, I don't, I didn't share this with you, but I definitely see how my daughters specifically, and I, I think part of that's because they're older. They really have, I don't know. I feel, it feels a little funny talking about it, but they have like, it's like they feel her presence, you know? And I, my, my 12 year old recently had a, a situation. Now I can't remember exactly what happened. I wrote about it and and shared it. I think I'm social on the She Climbs Mountain social media, but she she was like she woke up. I can't remember exactly what happened. I'm sorry, but she like woke up and and was like and then and then I, I was scared and then Grandma was there and dang I was so thankful for that. <laughs> I'm like, why isn't she showing up like that for me? <laughs> Well, that's something that I like to talk about. So yeah, you've never, you've never had any signs from her like that. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I've had, I, I've had, I mean, the monarchs have been a, th- a theme. I have seen them and at times when I've needed to, 
And so that would really be the main thing. I, I'll also tell you, though, I think that I have felt some hesitation around that, some fear around that. And so I don't necessarily allow that to come through. Right. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, from the stories that I've heard people, you know, someone told me a story and I said, oh, if that happened to me, I think I'd have to be out. I mean, I couldn't, <laughs> if I, I wouldn't. So yeah, the same. I've never seen anything. I've never, I don't want to, I don't think. I think when we're ready, then then it'll happen, right? <laughs> I do have to tell you though, about a year, well, it's got to be over that because of COVID, but I went with a friend to see a a psychic and she had seen her before and she's like, you should come with me. And I was like, I, I really am not, like I said, I'm kind of fearful of this stuff. So I don't really engage, but I was like, I'm going to go, let's just be open. And she talked about my mom and said that, and it was kind of brief. I actually was disappointed. I was like, cause she talked about my dad a lot. And I was like, enough of him. Like I, I want my mom in here. Like, but it, so it was brief, but she said, when you get home in your, I have a chest, a, a, a rosewood chest and that, yeah, that my dad gave to me. But anyway, she's like in the chest, there is something that's like off white. That was your mom's and you need to go in there and you need to get it out. And that is, she wants you to remember her through that. And I was like, what is she talking about? So this chest, I like have put stuff in it long time ago. I don't ever go in there. I just didn't remember what was even in there. So there, and I, I didn't give this woman any clue of anything, you know, nothing. Like I said, I didn't even know what was in there. So I came home and I opened it and I have, I didn't even remember this. I think sometimes with hard situations like this and now what I will call trauma, you like block certain things out, right? So I open it and I have her off white wool baby blanket. It has like a little lamb on the front, you know, and I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I got to put that away. So I guess that's one thing that was... I can't deny that. <laughs> and and the psychic didn't know that you had a chest, so <laughs> no, nope, nothing. Yeah. I've never I've never tried that. I needless to say I have not gone back. <laughs> I haven't it's a lot. It's a lot to take in and wrap your head around and you have to really be open, right? I get freaked out about it right now. <laughs> talking about it. in Phoenix, Arizona. Find us on social media and any podcast platform. Music provided by Colin the Coco and the Revolving Birds. Studio provided by Fat Kid Productions. Check out one of the many shows available on our network. I'm your host, Stephanie Relevert. Thank you for listening to Parentless. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. 
In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.